going to get into the word now, and we are going through a series on the ministry of Jesus. We are coming to the end of that series uh, this month before we get into the next part of Luke. Uh, so we are going to welcome one of our elders, John, who is going to be giving forth the word today. Let's welcome him. Notice he didn't call me a treat. <laughs> That's my word, Justin. You're not allowed to use it. <clears throat> um, before I get started, last week, this person left early, so we didn't get to honor them. But I want to honor Dre. It was his birthday last week. This dude always shows up. Happy birthday, Dre. We pray that there's many, many more birthdays in store for you. Um, so I get to preach on Mother's Day, so since I have the mic, I get to honor my mom, especially my mom's right there. Thank you, mom. Love you. Thank you for putting up with all my nonsense. For a long time, I would lie and tell people my mom was a professional wrestler, and she went along with it. <laughs> she used to go bang, bang to people. It's not a lie. She would do it. Um, and then my mother-in-law is here as well. Thank you, Miriam. You gave birth to my first gift, which is my lovely wife. And then, uh, honey, thank you for my two beautiful gifts that you've given me. And Micah and Shiloh, you're an amazing mom. I don't know how you do it. She's doing it on no sleep last night at all. So, um, yes, we do love you. So as I get ready to preach today, I just wanted to share a little uh, story about myself. Um, a few years ago, I used to work at a credit union, and they decided to let go of the VP of my department and the two managers of my department, and they left us with no leadership in the department. And then we had the auditors come in, national auditors came in, and they were like, John, can you handle this audit report that we need in, like, seven hours. <laughs> That's why I love when Jonathan's at church. He always laughs. He always just brings out the joy. So me being me, as confident and as cocky as I was, was like, yeah, sure, I can do it. <laughs> I said, great. I said, we've had to do it before. So I said, where did you get the numbers before? They're like, yeah, the person who used to do this is no longer here. We don't know where they got the numbers from. Figure it out. So I figured it out with best of my knowledge at the time. And I put the numbers in together and I handed it in to our EVP of the company. And he was like, these are wrong. These can't be right. They're so much different from the last one. And I was like, but you don't know where those numbers came from. So how am I supposed to figure it out? So there was a definite failure at this moment of faith, either in me or the numbers that were on that paper. I don't know which one it was. They said, don't worry, we'll figure it out. I never heard from them again. <laughs> that story just talks about how much you can go down a bad road when you lose leadership, when you lose all functions, and you put it in somebody's hand who has no idea what they're doing. Um, I don't work there anymore, but I was not fired. So that goes to show you something. <laughs> But uh, let's get into the text. We're reading from Luke 37 to 43. You should have that on your uh, service sheets. 
And I'll read out. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they could not do it. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father, or gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. As always, I hide myself behind your cross, God. I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, including me, Lord God, that you would do the work that you want to do in our hearts. Help us to leave here different, changed, more in love and in tune with you, Lord God. Pray this all in your name. Amen. So Tiff did a great job last week. She shared with us about the transfiguration of Jesus. And this story takes place right after that. So Jesus is coming down the mountain, right? He comes down and he runs into this desperate situation. He comes down and he runs into these crowd of people. And there's this father there with his only son who's demon-possessed. And he brings him to Jesus. This man was full of faith in Jesus just to bring him to uh, Jesus's feet to wait. I don't know how long they were up on the mountain for. I don't know if it was 24 hours or three days or seven days or whatever it was, but they were up there for some time. So he was waiting for some time for Jesus to come down. And can I say that faith is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the church today. And that's why I titled this message, A Failure of Faith. So as I was saying, faith is expressed in action. See, the father, he most likely heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing in all the different towns, right? Word got around. As I've said it before, there was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no BBC. There was nothing going on at that point in time to let people know. There was word of mouth. There was people traveling from one town to the next, and they would get to a town, and they were there witnessing Jesus' miracle, and they were like, did you hear over in Capernaum? Jesus healed this blind man, and this deaf guy was able to hear this lame person walk, this person that had leprosy. Um, they, they, they were healed completely, so they heard about all these miracles. This man heard about it, and he's like, I have to get my son to Jesus. And it doesn't say where this man came from, if he was in the nearby town or if he traveled miles. He just knew he had to get him to Jesus. And nothing would deter this man from getting his son the healing that he needed. So when the disciples failed at their job, he didn't turn around and leave in defeat. He waited longer for Jesus to come. <coughs> Excuse me. The father put his faith into action. Scripture says that hearing the word gives us faith. So hearing about the miracles, this man had faith to believe that Jesus could heal his son. 
I don't know about you guys, but when I hear about the things that Jesus is doing in people's lives, faith begins to well up in my heart to believe God for myself, right? When me and Jess were looking for a home, and when I heard Justin's story, and Justin was looking for a home for a long time, it fills me with faith to say, if Justin found a home, we could find a home too, right? It won't be on Staten Island. I love you guys. <laughs> I always have to get my Staten Island digs in there when I can. <clears throat> See, but we can't simply reduce faith to just believing in God. James 2.19 tells us, you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So faith in God alone, it doesn't, don't know what that was, that was scary. Um, faith in God alone just doesn't, it, it doesn't mean um, that everything is good and everything is right. It, it's not just good to have faith in God alone. There has to be action to our faith. There has to be movement to our faith. Coming to church, reading your Bible, joining Bible study, doing the Bible reading plan, those are all good and necessary. It's good to be here, but that can't be the, 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 the pinnacle of our faith, just doing these things. I love when Justin, um, last year, I think he was saying it a lot, and I, I know you've said it this year, this can't be it. We can't wait all week, and this is the pinnacle of our week right here, just coming here. And then we have no interaction with Jesus. We have no interaction. We have no movement with God when we leave this place. It's Sunday, and that's the only day. That's the modern church. We live for Sundays. Sundays are high. But we have to be like that father. When we hear faith, we got to take action, and we can't let anything deter us from seeing God fulfill his word. So Jesus, so this man approaches Jesus, lets him know the situation. Jesus' response was like the most surprising thing I think I've read in scripture in a while. Jesus has said some pretty radical things to people. The man tells him that he needs him to heal his son. And Jesus' response is, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? <laughs> Savage. Straight savage. I was like, wow. <laughs> but who was he speaking to when he said this? Was he speaking to the father of the boy? Was he speaking to the crowd of onlookers waiting to get their miracle, waiting to see what Jesus was going to do next? Who was he speaking to? And the beauty of this, this particular story is that it's found in Luke, in Mark, and in Matthew. And in Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20, clears up this picture for us so much. Matthew 19, afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus' response, you don't have enough faith. So Jesus' comment wasn't directed at the dad or at the crowd. It was directed at his disciples. But why was he so frustrated? Why this, this, this reaction from Jesus, why was it happening? Well, one, 
As we learned last week, he experienced the transfiguration. He knew his time was short. He knew he was coming to the end of his ministry here on earth. So he knew time was short. The second one is that as we found out in the beginning of Luke chapter 1, in the beginning of Luke verses 1 and 2, Jesus went, he called the disciples to himself, he called the 12, he empowered them to go out and to cast out all demons and heal all diseases, and then he sent them out to go do the work. So his frustration came from, I don't know how long ago that was by any chance, but he, I just gave you the power to do this. I just gave you the power. What else do you need from me? Like, I've given you the power. I've given you the authority to do this. What else do you need from me? It was their failure in faith. They still believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Lord. They, they still have faith in Jesus. But they didn't have faith in his word. They didn't have faith in the call that he gave them. They didn't have faith that they were empowered to do what he called them to do. I've had that same failure of faith in my life. Even being up here right now. When I was younger, I believed that God had called me to pastor and to preach. And I had that word confirmed over and over and over again by people. Even when I came to this church, Justin was like, yo, God has called you to pastor and to preach. And I told him, you bugging. I was like, I love you. I'm good with doing what I'm doing. I had a failure to believe God's word. I still believed Jesus was my savior. I still loved him. He was my Lord. But I had failure to believe the word that he spoken over my life, the word that he called me to do to fulfill. Even when he told me in himself, it still didn't matter. I still had a failure of my faith there. I didn't believe that I was good enough. I didn't believe that I was equipped to do it. We all have failures of faith sometime in our walk. Whether you've been walking with God for 10 minutes or for 250 years, it does not matter. It does not matter how long you've been in church. You could have been born in the pew. You could have been, um, you know, you, you could have started the first church in New York City. It does not matter. We all have failures of faith. We'll continue to come to church. We'll continue to believe God to be our Lord and Savior. And it's all good. But when it comes to moving in action, we stop there. I can't believe that for myself. I can't believe that you've called me to do that. I can't believe that I'm supposed to do this or that. So how is faith moved into action? Faith in action means that God has spoken or we read it in his word and we're able to move in that thought. We're able to move in that word that he's given. Just like he gave the disciples, right? They received the power in the beginning of Luke 9. They must have gone out and did some kind of healing, some kind of move where they were delivering people from demons. But this account, they just couldn't do it. Was it just some time gap that caused them to not have faith? Was this one they thought was stronger than the last demons that they encountered? I don't know. It does not tell us these things. But there was a failure in their faith. So 
So what has God empowered us to do? Tiffany mentioned last week a great thing that God empowered us to do, the Great Commission. We're sent out and we're called to make disciples and we're called to baptize. Yeah, and I know it's scary. I know it's scary to go and share the gospel with someone. I know it's scary. You're vulnerable. You got to put yourself out there. You got to be honest. You know, um, I remember those awkward conversations with people where you had to talk, you had to share your faith. You had to share what you were going through. But it's, it's, it's kind of like sharing like you're a Nick fan. It's kind of like, like sharing that with people, right? Hey, John, I love you in the back. It's like sharing you're a Nick fan, right? You know, they lose every year, you know. It's embarrassing, all that kind of stuff. When you, when you have the gospel, you have to be vulnerable with people, right? When you share where you're a Nick fan, you have to be vulnerable that people are going to diss you and call you, you know, like, like your team is horrible. You know, I can't believe you root for that team, you know. When you share that you're a Christian, when you share you believe in Christ, you might get ridiculed. You might get mocked. You might get excommunicated from the group, right? If you're at work and you share you're a Christian, you're not going to get invited to lunch anymore. You know, it's like, oh, man, I don't want to have lunch with that guy. He's a Christian. Even though you've never said anything that has been, you know, um, detrimental to them, you know, whatever they're joking about, whatever they're doing. There's not, but now that they know you're a Christian, they just don't want to hang out with you anymore. We're called to love our neighbor. Oof. Let me just put a disclaimer. Your neighbor does not have to be a Christian. That's the hard one. It's easy to love Christians and to be kind to Christians, especially when you only see them on Sundays. I love you, sister. I love you, brother. Oh, you want a gum? Amen. Yeah, I'm sharing my gum with you. Who's one of those people that I hate sharing my gum with people? I'll just be honest with you. It's like, yo, I bought this whole pack of gum for myself because I have bad breath. Like, I don't want to share with you. But what are, what are ways that we can care or we can love our neighbor? How about caring for the widow and the orphan? And can I say, not just widow, but widower? Can we, can we go that far as saying that, right? Because there's, there's single dads that are out there too, just like there's single moms. And you probably have them maybe if you live in an apartment building or on your block. And you see them and they're frustrated. So you see them yelling at their kids. And you want to run up on them and kind of like yell at them like, why are you yelling at your kids? They're just kids. But you don't know the frustration that they're going through. They're, they're working from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Then they have to get home and cook for their kid and help them with their homework and all the other stuff that they have to do. They're stressed out. Loving them well maybe means cooking them dinner or befriending them and maybe helping them take care of their kids. Wow, it's really putting you out. This is what Jesus has empowered us to do. Caring for the widow and orphan. Maybe you have the ability to adopt or to foster or to join some kind of program, you know, something that helps kids that are in need, you know, like a Karama Kids or something like that. Maybe there's an opportunity. Dave's like loving the plug right there. It's like, yeah. He's also called us to do justice. That means being a voice for the voiceless. 
That means caring for the migrants that were bust into New York City yesterday. They left their home. They've been in tents for how long? And they've been bust here. They're displaced. They don't have a home here. Maybe that's loving them well. We've been empowered to do these things. And he tells us not to be afraid. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, but we walk around afraid. And there's so many different things we're afraid of. For three years, we were afraid of a, of a virus that was going around that was threatening to kill people. We were afraid of murder hornets that we never even saw before. <laughs> I remember when I came on the news, I was just like, murder hornets? I was like, they're murdering people? They can murder? I was like, they have the intent to murder? Like, they're bugs. But anyway, um, but we walk around with fear. Like I was saying, we're afraid to share the gospel. Maybe we're afraid to be in certain settings. Maybe we haven't, if you're online, maybe we haven't come back to church because we're afraid to get sick, to sit next to somebody. When scripture tells us, don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren. And all these things, we've been empowered to walk in Christ's power, to go and do, to take our faith and move it just in believing in God into action for God. Personally, I've had bouts of anxiety and fear. And not that long ago, go back to last year, I failed, to, I failed to share the gospel with people because I've been fearful, not believing that I've been empowered to do this thing. Trying to go in my own power, not in Christ's power. And then I know I've shared this story with you before, and I, the, the only reason it was brought to memory because last week I was talking to a couple and I shared this story with them. I had a failure of my faith when God had told me and Jess that we were going to have kids. And then for eight months, we saw the test come back. You're not pregnant. You're not pregnant. You're not pregnant. But then to be have friends celebrating their pregnancy and having to be happy for them. While at that point in time, we were depressed and, and feeling like God forgot about us. And remembering, pulling that up, that someone had written that, that, um, that word that was spoken over us on a piece of paper, and I was reading it, and I was like, it doesn't seem like it's happening, God. It doesn't seem like this is real. But then I remembered Hebrews 11, the chapter on faith. And if you read that, that chapter... You get to two names in there that I find it funny that they show up in there. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah, they're the, they're the pinnacle of failures of faith. God had told them they're going to have kids, and he told them this that they were 100 years old. Justin and I found it hard at 37 years old or 36 years old you know, to have Shiloh. So I could not picture someone that was 100 years old having a baby. Just thinking about it just makes me cringe a little bit. Um, 
But God had told them this. And while they're waiting to have this baby, Sarah has the bright idea, maybe we can help God along. Let me give you my maidservant. You sleep with her, that'll be our baby. That'll be the promised one. They try to help God. They had a failure of faith and they try to help God. But if you read Hebrews 11, that's not recorded there. He records Sarah's faith and righteousness as she believed God for a child and he blessed her with one. See, when we're faithless, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. He did not record her faithless act. It's not found in Hebrews 11. There's no mention of it in Hebrews 11. They're heroes of faith. And I know you're probably saying to me, like, John, that's great. But see, Jesus pulled the disciples a, a, you know, to the side and he empowered them. He spoke to them and empowered them. Well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples and he tells all of us to wait for the Holy Spirit. That he is the power that we will need to go out and to be witnesses, to go out and to do what he's called us to do. Trying to do any of this without the Holy Spirit, you're going to fail. Trying to muster up, the, the, the disciples couldn't muster up the faith to heal the boy. I, I don't believe that the disciples just went and said, demon, get out, and then just walked away. Like, I don't believe that that was their reaction. I believe they tried with everything in them. Because when they go to Jesus, as we read in Matthew 19, they're like, why couldn't, why, why couldn't we cast them out, Jesus? Like, there was, there was an anticipation that they could cast them out. They thought they could. But they just didn't believe Jesus fully at his word. We can try to muster up our faith, right? Because we believe in Jesus, so we're going to go out and do these things, and we can do it on our own accord, and it'll last for a very short moment. You might help that, that, that single mom on your block. You might help her for a day or two, or for a week or two, and it'll go away. You might share the gospel with one or two people, and then that'll go away. You might do these things and all these things will go away. But the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that he lives in us and he brings about the faith that we need to go out and to do what God has called us to do. Walking this walk and doing this thing without the power of the Holy Spirit is like trying to drive a car with no gas in it. And it's not a Tesla, okay? Aaron and Adelina, it's not a Tesla. It's futile. The car may start on the little fumes that are left. You may be able to get it to move 10 feet or 5 feet, but it'll stall out on you. I don't want to walk around stalled out. I don't want to just do church and do the Bible reading and pray and think that that is enough. I truly want to be the witness and the ambassador that God has called me to be. I want to be his hands and feet extended, and that only comes about when we put our full faith in Christ and we allow, we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to move us to act out and to be 
what he's called us to be. As I get ready to close, band and Jess, you guys can come up. My challenge to you today is that you put your faith in action. Like I said, the beauty is that God remained faithful. After he says his statement, tells the dad, bring the boy to me. And he heals the boy. And there is awe that comes over that community right there. There's awe that comes about. If we say we believe in Jesus today, then let us walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the call that's on our lives, what God has called you to. There's a general call that's on the church to act out, but then there's calls individually to believers. Some are pastors, some are teachers, some are prophets. Walk in that gift, in that power that God has called you to walk in. Don't just believe in Jesus. Believe every word that's come from his mouth. It's life-giving. If we walk in that, we will not just be a church that lives in here. We will be the church that lives out there. If there's any doubt in your heart today, if you feel like you failed in your faith, join the club. I'm the first one. But I want to encourage you today. You can always start afresh. You can always start anew. And anywhere that we're lacking, Jesus is there to pick us up, cover us. So there'll be leaders on the side over here, like there are every week. And I want to encourage you. If there's something that you've been struggling to follow through that God has spoken to you, Get up and go pray with somebody. Ask God for the faith to believe. Ask for God for the faith to walk in it. Ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called you to do. You won't be disappointed. The beautiful thing is that the story doesn't end there because when Jesus leaves, he tells the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. They wait, power and the church blows up. We read in scripture how people are healed by the shadow of the disciples, how people are healed by handkerchiefs, how demons are cast out as they're walking behind um, uh, Peter. And he just, get out. And it happens. Why? Because the power that they needed, they received and they walked in. Can you bow your heads? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that though we have failures of faith, God, you remain faithful through it all. And God, we thank you, God, that you have given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we can walk in the power of Christ Jesus, that we can walk in the power of the resurrection. We can walk in the power that is in heaven, Lord God, today. Would you revive every word that you've spoken to us in our hearts today, Lord God. Would you allow us to believe you in new ways, to believe your word, to believe what you've spoken, to believe what you've read, what you've left in your Bible, Lord God. 
God, we don't want to just be Sunday Christians. We want to be those that truly turn the world upside down. We want to be those that people talk about that have power because we walk with the living God. We ask all of this in your precious name. Amen.